0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. So come with me to Luke 16, Luke chapter 16, because I do feel a, a, a beautiful anointing here to shift some things. And before I give you the title of the message, as you're turning to Luke 16, let me just kind of put this word out there. For you just to catch and just just let it settle on you and in your spirit, and and it's the, the word is power over, power over. Uh, a, a lot of Christians and I was just kind of picking up as as Dr. Matt was up here leading the service that there's a there's a lot of people that for whatever reason, uh, maybe you grew up with a different brand of Christianity and were never taught. That, that your, your position, your place in the kingdom is to always have power over. Wow. Yeah, in, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus says to the disciples, Behold, I give you power over some of the, sorry, a few of the, he says, Behold, I give you power over all. Yeah. Now, how many people know that all means all? Power over all the works of the enemy. And and this is is Jesus speaking to the disciples. And this is before he's even gone to the cross. So in Genesis 1, God gave you and I power to subdue, power to multiply, power to be fruitful, power to exercise dominion. Now we know there was an incident in Genesis 3 in the garden where Satan took some authority that didn't belong to him. And has kind of been wielding havoc ever since. But Jesus says, behold, I give you power. In Jesus Christ, you have power. So I want you to just kind of put that in there, that yeah. power over is your default position. Oh, wow. You shouldn't be living under. Yeah. So whenever someone says, you know, uh, well, you know, under the circumstances, I'm um, just saying, what are you doing under there? <laughs> Come out from under there. You shouldn't be under there. What were you doing? Under, were you hiding? Why are you hiding under there? Get out from under there. Power over. So Luke 16, verse 1 says, He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man already, like, ooh, what? Who had a steward. Lucky guy. And an accusation was brought to him that this man, the steward, was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward.'" So it was obviously a reliable source. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, well, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, I owe a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. Just pause there and let that settle. Because this should be messing you up. The accusation was brought that he's stealing from the company, wasting money, you know, instead of flying in, you know, coach or business or he's flying in first and <laughs> putting all the hotel expenses and the caviar and the lobster Mornay on his business card and going shopping on, you know, with his business Amex and personal bills are being picked up by, by his boss and then here he's like, okay, I'm getting fired. I better, I better feather the bed for where I'm about to go. How much do you owe my master? I owe him 100. Well, let's make it 50. How much do you owe my master? I owe him 100. Well, let's make it 80. So it almost looks like in this story that Jesus is, is commending this guy for, you know, unjust or being somewhat of an extortionist. But let's keep reading. So the, the master commended the unjust steward is what it says because he had dealt shrewdly. Now watch this. This, is, this verse is why we do what we do. This, this verse is what, what emboldens me. And it says this. It says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. The sons of this world, another translation says, for the sons of darkness are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. What, what a shame when it comes to money or financial things that those who are motivated by greed are more motivated and more shrewd than those who are motivated by righteousness. And may, may I just say to you, it's because of a fear of touching people's treasure. A lot of pastors have a fear, and the reason they have a fear is because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how many people here know that God doesn't need your money? Okay, most of you. The rest of you, God doesn't need your money. Uh, he, he, he honestly, he doesn't. He, he doesn't need it. Paves streets with gold. When I figured out, wow, God doesn't need my money, I'm like, And then goes like, not so fast, I still want it. I'm like, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. If you don't need it, why do you still want it? If you don't need it, why do you still ask for it? And it's because it's not about the money, it's about what it's attached to. Because where your treasure, if he doesn't have your treasure, does he really have your heart? I don't like this church I don't even know why I come that geezer up there he keeps touching things in my life I don't want touch do I I'm trying to do an accent that probably doesn't relate to anybody here I keep getting in trouble like I do me a southern accent have people come up and go hey pastor every time you speak why do you throw the salt?" I'm like oh dear God so anyway let's, let's keep going so we're shifting that. Sh- we we want to shift that. I don't want the sons of this world to be more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. We want you operating. So watch this. Watch this. And I love, oh, Jesus is awesome. Verse 9. I, and I say to you, this is in red, so it's Jesus speaking. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. I want you to know he doesn't say, make friends for yourself and bypass unrighteous mammon. Make friends for, he doesn't even call it money. He's so awesome. (laughs) He says, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Let me just be honest. Let me just tell you what it is. By unrighteous mammon so that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He was faithful in what is least, faithful in much. He was unjust in what is least, is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Another translation says, who will commit to your your trust the true riches of the kingdom? And if you have not been faithful with what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Then the verse we're going to land on. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the title of my message tonight is Mastering Mammon. Mastering Mammon. So in the story, does Jesus really commend a man for doing something that is, that is morally wrong? I would say to you what Jesus and what the master was doing was this man knew he was getting fired. This man knew he was being let go for squandering his goods. And when he sat down with the creditors and said, how much do you owe? And he says, a hundred measures. This man from his stock, this man from the shares, this man from his savings made up the difference. When he says, how much oil do you, I owe? Uh, uh, he, this man from his stock reduced it. He was investing into his future because Jesus says, likewise, I say to you, use unrighteous mammon to make friends for yourselves. The reason that we we always put a little bit of a a caveat and a little bit of a warning on folks that join the church who are from multi-level marketing is because there's a a propensity you've got to watch because multi-level marketing, it looks kind of innocent. But what it does is it flips this scripture. It says, hey, use friends to make money. But Jesus, no, 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 no. You got it around the wrong way. Use money to make friends. So let me give you three quick thoughts in the 16 minutes we got left. Number one, number one, Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. So let me ask you this. Is money your master or your servant? Because when I first read this, people said, see, that's why, that's why all in, in, you all know, need to not talk about money. Because as the church, God wants us poor, so we're dependent upon him. The truth is, when you're poor, are you really dependent upon God? I've actually found that as I've prospered, I've had to become dependent upon God. I've actually found that, you know, not having a church at all, I wasn't dependent on anything. I was just dependent on, you know, Carmel Valley Middle School opening up on a Sunday morning. And we could have church. But now that we've got campuses, I'm dependent on the fact that we've got to have security systems in place. We've got to have a janitor. We've got to have a janitorial staff. We've got to make sure everything's So It's like my, my, your responsibility actually goes up, your trust in God. So don't, don't believe that lie. Second thing, people say, well, you know, we should, you know, the Bible says you can't serve God and money. So therefore, what it means is serve God and have nothing to do with money. But that's not what Jesus says. What Jesus says is you can't serve two masters. Either you'll love the one or hate the other, or you'll despise the one and be loyal to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the answer is very, very simple. We serve God. And we make mammon serve us. The place, the place for mammon, the place for money in your life, is to be your servant. When money is your servant, it is a wonderful servant. When money is your master, it is a devastatingly cruel master. Money should never be your master. Now, how do you know if money is your servant or your master? Well, it's very, very simple. Who's giving the orders? See, a master tells a servant what to go and do. A master says to the servant, go and fetch me this. Go and bring me that. A master speaks to the servant. So I remember when I first got saved, you know, the offering bucket came by. And, you know, the the preacher was pretty convincing. I thought, oh, I I think I'm going to (laughs) give. And then as I open up my wallet, there was a $50 bill looking at me. Straight at me. It was right Right there. Right behind him, tucked behind him was a little five. And, and as I looked at, you know, and, and the guy was talking about being generous, Pastor Rachel, I'm like, oh flip, you know, and I'm looking at the 50, and swear to God, the 50 looks at me and goes, What are you looking at? I'm like, what? Are you looking at me? And the little five, like he, he was kind of behind, He's like, send me, I will go, send me. I mean, he's already worshiping. He's already worshipping. So I'm, I'm thinking, this is a done deal. It's a done deal. We're all in agreement. We're happy. The five wants to go. The 50 wants to stay. And then the, and then the pastor did one of those evil tricks. <laughs> they do evil tricks. You know this, Michelle. But they, he did an evil trick. He says, hey, why don't you just take a moment and ask God what he'd have you to give. I'm like, la, 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 I don't want to. He said, no, just take a minute and ask God what he'd have you to give. And so so I look back at my wallet, and the 50's like, yo, you looking at me again? I'm like, the pastor told me. He's like, hey, you need me. I'm like, I do? Yeah, you need me. You you got no gas in your car? What are you going to do after church? You throw me in, you got no money for food. You're hungry? I said, well, a little bit. Yeah. That's now but after church you're gonna be real hungry <laughs> you need me and so I'm like oh my god I'm like it's a done deal it's a done deal so I'm ready I've got the five in my hand he's like me. I and he's singing he's, already, he's ready to go so I've got it out I'm like okay that's the answer that's all I need and so then the pastor one more time oh evil pastor one more time he says, come on, just, just ask God what he'd have you give. Yeah. I'm like, I don't ask God. Because yeah. <laughs> I know God. I know what he's going to say. He's like, come on, right here. And he said to the, he said to the ashes, he says, don't pass the buckets. Till... I'm like, "Oh, pass the buckets. Send me. And he wants to go. Let him go. <laughs> and so anyways, so I've got my head bound. I thought, I've got to be obedient. And I said, God, which one do you want? Five of I said, don't even answer, already know. I said, I already know, you want the fifty. You're a big God and no faith in the five. Tell me, shut up. And I said, God, you want you want me to put the fifty in, don't you? And true story, God goes, no. Oh my god. Oh, that's awesome. I want them both. And here's the crazy thing, here's the crazy thing. I threw them both in. The five, he goes straight to the bottom. Yippee, friends, i And he's singing. The 50, have you ever noticed if you ever put a big bill in, they never go all the way to the bottom? The little ones, straight to the bottom. Coins, straight to the bottom. Big bills, fifty, hundreds, they never go to the bottom. They hang out the top. Oh yeah, you're gonna regret this. <laughs> oh, Oh, you think you don't need me? You need me, man. Like, master or servant, master or servant. All right, let me me move. Point number two, I've got 10 minutes. Point number two, point number two, watch this. If you have power over money, it's attracted to you. If money has power over you, it's always going to be repelled from you. Many many years ago, many many years ago, 20, 25, maybe 27 years ago, I was watching Oprah. Yes, I admit I was watching Oprah. Back then, she was awesome. So I was watching Oprah, and and they had this they had this episode on credit card debt in the USA, and they were showing how the average 25-year-old in the United States of America had like uh, some uh, some total of about $35,000 on average credit card debt, whereas Contrasting that, excuse me, with Singapore, in Singapore, the average Singaporean 25-year-old had 35000 in savings. And they were saying how America exploits the vulnerability of young people and credit card access is too easy. And, and there's just, you know, too many shiny objects for people to buy and people get themselves. And then they had this one young lady, she had 11 credit cards with each one of them had a $10,000 limit and she'd max them all out and was struggling now to make minimum payment and so they put all these stats up and this crippling debt and how they're graduating from college with not only you know uh college debt but now with credit card debt and so oprah is like you know oh my god this is a pandemic this is an epidemic we need to deal with this well had this woman on there who was a financial expert and oprah says to her she says you know my god is there anything we can do and the woman looked at oprah and she said oh oprah it's very very simple and Oprah says it is. She says, oh, it's very simple how these people can break the power of debt." And she says, "How?" She says, well, "All they need to do is take ten percent of their debt, go down to their local church or to a charity, and give it away." And Oprah nearly fell off the couch. She's like, "Say what?" I'm gonna slap. No, she didn't say that. But you know, she's she's like she's on the like she's like she's having a conniption. And she's like, hang on, this woman here, $110,000 worth of debt. If she takes 10%, 11 grand, she's now in 120. How does that help her? And she says this, she says, Oprah, I've studied the lives of the rich and the poor for over 40 years. And this is what I've discovered. She says, the poor are poor because money has power over them. Because money has power over them, it is always repelled from them. She says, the rich are rich because they exercise power over money. Because they exercise power over money, money is attracted to them. She says, Oprah, there is only one way to exercise power over money, and it is in giving. She says, whenever you give you are you are mastering money you are telling money i am the master you are the servant it says every time you give you break its grip that's why jesus in luke 6:38 says give and it will be given press down shaken together running over all the way through the scriptures you'll find there's a principle in place now how many people here have ever heard we should not give to get Anybody, it's only a few honest people. You know, we shouldn't give to get because that's greedy. Now, if you're here tonight and you are more holy than God, would you do this for me? Would you just levitate for a moment, fly around so we can all see you, and I'm going to correct my sermon. All right. The Bible says in John 3.16, most popular scripture in the galaxy. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave gave his only begotten son, which means he didn't have another one. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. When God gave his only begotten son, the context is he just lost his, he just lost Adam. Adam and Eve had sinned and now they were separated from God. Not only that, when, 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 when God looked out in heaven, this section of heaven was full. This section was full. This one was abandoned because he lost one-third of the angels that followed Lucifer. So God was in a deficit. And how did God get out of the deficit? He gave. The Bible says while we were yet, Christ died for us. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. So God gave fully expecting. Yep. I want you to notice God didn't say, hey, Gabriel, Gabriel, um, bring me the ledger. Yeah, hmm. Oh, oh busted wing, uh, blind in one eye. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could probably do without him, right? God gave his own, God the very, very best that God had in heaven. God didn't give what he could do without. God gave his only begotten. I want you to understand something about God. God never asks you and I to do something he doesn't do first. God never issues a principle into motion that he doesn't first exemplify in his own life. If, if you want to experience The power of God and the blessing of God. Follow God. Our job on a Sunday is I ain't going to preach to you Bible hermeneutics or what this seminary, I'm going to preach to you what the Word says because I was a jacked up, messed up son of an atheist that had no Bible growing up. And I found if I was just bold enough to do whatever God told me, if I was bold enough to follow God and His principles, I found that my life began to flourish. So God (laughs) gave... His only begotten Son. Now, can I tell you, when God gave Jesus in the world, it wasn't like Gabriel's was like, You just, get, that's, that's your only begotten Son. What are you? God wasn't saying, well, I know, I know, but I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm, I just thought I'd give. I'm not expecting. How many people know that God was expecting? Come on, He was expecting a return. God knew if he gave his best seed, he knew he would turn the tables and reap that. And do you know 2,000 years later, that seed is still reproducing 2.8 billion people on the planet. Every day, every day, sons of God, daughters of God, born again, born again, born again. That seed is still reproducing for him. So if God gave expecting to receive back, please, unless you're more holy than God, give yourself permission, throw out bad theology, throw out bad teaching, throw out those lies. Every time you give, that's why I can't believe every week in church, here I go give, give, give. The reason we do that is because giving people don't greed and greeting people don't give. The greatest antidote to greed is giving. Sometimes you. Sometimes when money's piping off at the offering, just say, "Oh, oh, you want to pipe off? Yeah, I'm. You say, right, I just doubled it. Want to keep talking? All right, just doubled again. Oh, you want to keep going? I'm putting a zero. And you'll find oh. when you have power, it'll come back to you. All right, last one, last one. Number three, two minutes left. Oh dear, Jesus. Number three is love God, use money, not vice versa. Love God, use money. The Bible says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So a lot of people say, "See, the love of money—that's why I don't like awaken church. You guys are teaching people how to prosper, and like you know, and you can't prosper without getting more money. And the Bible says money's a root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is a root." So there sh- you shouldn't have anything to do with money. No. It just says have it, but don't fall in love with it. How do I not do that? Glad you asked. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you, there's not a whole lot left over for money. And every time money, give it away. Every time you, give, you break its spell, you break its power over you. I've got to finish with a story because already the keyboards are up there. <laughs> just before we moved here, beautiful, beautiful Audrey. Isn't she lovely? Wow. Moving to Salt Lake City with her handsome husband and beautiful little babies. We just love you, darling. Um, so this is a true story. When I, was, when I was being sent from Oxford Falls in Australia to come to San Diego, um, we, we owed $10,000. There was $10,000 remaining on our vision builders. Pastor Jesse knows what this is like. And so at the vision builders dinner, just before we flew out, they said, Hey, listen, if you have any, anything left in your last year's vision builder, you know, just kind of add it into this one, you know, when you're making a pledge. And I said to Leanne, I said, Oh, babe, I can't. I'm just so grateful. I said, What I'm going to do is I'm going to write down 20000 and what I meant was twenty thousand, like the ten thousand from last year, and I had I had a check that was clearing the following day or a couple of days later, and uh, you know to take care of that ten thousand, I thought we'll throw another ten thousand in, so I wrote twenty thousand, and then the next day my check cleared, so I brought it in and I paid ten thousand dollars. So if you do simple math, I got ten thousand left. Ten thousand left. Well, Pastor Phil gets me up and stay on the stage on Sunday. He goes, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Youth pastor guy. Uh, it's Pastor Yeager. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, come on man. And so so, <coughs> so I get up on the stage and he's doing his, he's punching me. Yeah, this guy here. He's, you know, if you've a anyway, And so he's like, yeah, this guy here. Yeah, yeah. The guy's going to plant a church in San Diego. Yeah. Going overseas. Just fulfilled his vision builders. I said, oh, yeah, I did, Pastor Phil glad to fulfill it. He goes, yeah, yeah. And then he committed another $20,000 the next year. Technically. And everyone starts standing and cheering. And so I'm like, well, I'm not. I'm not one to correct the senior pastor. I don't want to make him look like he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I just. I kind of, I kind of, if I was honest with you, I kind of basked in the glory and I just thought, and in my head, I'm already rationalised. I'm will go straight to Glenn Henry, who's the accountant. And I'll explain to him afterwards. Our pastor didn't, you know, you know, the 10,000 I just brought, well, that was, you know, from 20 down to 10. And that was, the, you know, from last year. And, you know, the 20 wasn't, it was just, that's, that's what I was going to do. It's a true story, true story. True story. I go to Glenn Henry, the accountant afterwards, and I tell him. And he, he's like, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense, it makes perfect sense. So then we move over here and I pay off what I believe was the 10,000. Well, we have a property in Australia that I couldn't sell. It was an acre of land that we bought before we moved over. And we had an offer It was in escrow, it fell out of escrow. And it was costing us $4,800 a month in mortgage payment. And I'm trying to plant a church over here. And I had money in savings and I'm just watching yeah. every month, just $4,800. So then it goes into off escrow a second time. I'm like, woo falls out of escrow. Goes into escrow a third time, falls out of escrow. And now the market is kaput in Australia. And Leanne. (laughs) Now I know when I married Leanne, I married Miss Wright. I just didn't realise her first name was always. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time, Leanne's like, no, Pastor Phil said 20. I'm like, babe, I explained it to you. I sat with Glenn, he's an accountant for the church. i call him. He'll explain it. And she's like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You said 20,000. I said, I know, but I explained it. And she's like, and she, you won't tell. I don't have another no, 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 10,000. Like, I'm, I'm like this. So true story. She's wrong. I'm right. Ask Glenn Henry. So this one morning I wake up. I can't sleep. I've got $12,000 left, like not even three payments. And I get up this one morning because I can't sleep. I'm worried about this land. I'm trying to build a church here and I've got this flipping thing in Australia that's not moving, not selling. So I go for a walk and I thought, you know what? There's no one else around. It's like half past four in the morning. I thought, I'm just going to be honest with God. So I say, God, what the? What the heck's going on, God? And then true story, you know how your own words, Jesus says, will condemn you? Out of my mouth said, God, three times in escrow, three times, what's wrong with people? They make commitments and they don't follow them. I came home, knelt knelt beside Leanne. You're right. (laughs) Again. True story. I wrote the check for $10,000. Sent it to Australia. I thought, I don't even have enough to make the next payment. And in my head, I'm going, I just sent $10,000 of the 12 I got left. $4,800 payment. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Two days later. 40 hours, 48 hours later. There's a phone call from the agent who's no longer the agent because it's been sitting there. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I just got a phone call. I know I'm not your agent, but the very, very first buyer who pulled out just sold his house over the weekend for cash, an all-cash offer. And he wants to know, is your land still available? And I said, if it is, it's probably going to be worth more. You had her on the market for 1.1. He says, Will you take 1.2? I said, Let me pray about it and get back to you. Actually, I didn't say that at all. I said, Oh my God! I fell asleep. Come on, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His right, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm way over time. They're doing this to me. That's not good. Now, some of them are doing that. Some of them are doing. When Will Dillon's doing that, you know you're in big boo-boo. Come on, where do we stand to our feet? Lift your hands high. How many people thank God, be honest, thank God for a church that will tell you the truth when it comes to money? Let, let, Let me be really honest with you. God wants you to have money. He doesn't want money to have you. God wants you to have money. He doesn't want money to have you. Lift your hands to heaven. Jesus tells a very, very provocative story about a good Samaritan. Already he's got the Jews incensed because he's using the word good and Samaritan in the same sentence. They hated the Samaritans. And Jesus says that a rabbi saw a a guy beaten up by robbers and bleeding, dying on the road and he crossed the street. He says, and then a, a, a Levite saw it and crossed the street. But a Samaritan picked the man up, put him on his own animal, took him to an inn, gave the innkeeper three months wages and said, if there's any more that you need to spend on taking care of him, if he needs his legs set or a blood transfusion or an operation, I'll take care of it when I return. Jesus says, which one was neighbor to the man that was wounded? And they said, well, I guess the Samaritan. He said, go and do likewise. Do you know how many, I don't know how many Christians, especially the ones that grow up in churches that speak out against a weak and error, how many Christians can find a complete stranger on the street that has no medical insurance put him in a hospital pay the equivalent of three months wages and say if there's anything else you need to do I'll fix it up when I get back it's incredibly expensive to be the kind of Christian Jesus says that we ought to be don't listen to the devil don't listen to the devil well, I'm, just, I'm just afraid if I made a million dollars, I'd get greedy and buy a big fat yacht. Well, guess what? Keep coming to church because every week we'll talk about giving. We'll talk about honoring the Lord with the f- Greedy people don't give and giving people don't greed. God wants you to have, he just doesn't want money to have you. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Father, I thank you for every son and daughter in this house. Father, and I thank you, Lord God, that we don't just talk about prosperity. We talk about prosperity with purpose. We talk about increase with integrity. We talk about, Father, we talk about mastering mammon and not being mastered by mammon. Father, we know that every time we give, we exercise power over money. When we do, money is attracted to us. Father, I thank you every person watching online that right now this is a word in season. This is a word in season. Break off limitations. Break off poverty thinking. Break off the lies of the devil. The devil will try and tell you, no, no, you should only make just enough for you. You lying devil. How? What a wicked, self-centered, selfish, small life where I've got just enough for me. Just for me and mine. No, no, no. You're never meant to have just enough for you. You're always meant to live in an overflow. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 that you are able to give to every good work. You can help us with orphanages in Mexico. You can help us with our villages in Peru. You can help us with the hospital we built in Ghana. You can help us reach women who have been caught in, in sex trafficking. You can help us with our recovery program, bringing freedom to people who are drug addicts. You can help us feeding the poor. You can help us. But if you've only got enough for you, what a wicked small life. Don't listen to the lie of the devil. Father, we release blessing, favor, prosperity, increase. We thank you for this word. In Jesus' name, everybody say. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.